many, many years, the most popular uh, section of any bookstore was the how-to section. For years and years, that was the case. They actually did studies and watched that stuff. And for a very long time, the most popular section was the how-to section. Well, now, not that many of us go to the bookstore and find a book on how-to because you can Google everything. And do you know what is the most popular question in Google? I don't know the specific question, but if you go back to categories, the most popular questions on Google start with how-to or how do I? We want to know how to do those things or to be those people, to accomplish those goals. This morning I want to show you one of the most important how-tos in Scripture. I believe it's one of the most important how-tos in the Christian life. How can we learn to be truly great. We can find in Scripture what it takes to be great people. And I want to show you that this morning. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, we're going to spend quite a bit of time in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning at verse 35. We're in the Gospel of Mark. If you find chapter 10, then look at verse 35 where we are going to begin. Because in this text, he explains, Jesus explains to his disciples how to be great. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be a great person? Let's find out what that looks like. Matthew chapter 10 now, verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Boy, that's always dangerous. Anytime somebody comes up and says, I need to ask a favor. Would you do something for me? I always want to know, you tell me the something and then I'll tell you. They came up to Jesus and said, would you do something for us? He said to them, what do you want me to do for you? He didn't answer yes or no. He said, tell me the, the something, and then we'll talk. 37, they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. They said, let us have the right hand and the left hand. Those would be the two most important positions of authority outside of the, the throne itself. The right hand would be the second most powerful person in the kingdom. The left hand would be the third most powerful person in the kingdom. Here are James and John. What they want to do is jump the line. Don't tell the other disciples that we're here. We don't want to work our way into it. We don't want to earn it. But Jesus, could you kind of do a brother a favor? 
let me sit on the right and let him sit on the left. I, I do think it's interesting that they, they, they didn't figure out who was going to be right and left. They just said, let us have right and left. And he says, you don't know what you're asking. Now, what amazes me about this question, there's a lot that amazes me, but the biggest thing that amazes me about this question, can you imagine what Jesus has just said that would cause them to think this way? If we back up before our text. We're really, we're really reading through starting at 35, but back up to 32 for just a minute. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking ahead of them and they were amazed and those who followed were afraid. Taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. They will condemn him to death, deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And James and John said, Hey, can we have a, a place at the party? They were totally oblivious to what Jesus was actually trying to prepare them for. Missed it completely. You know, we kind of we can be that way pretty easily. We have that selective hearing, even when it comes to when God is speaking to us. We have that selective hearing. We want to hear about the resurrection. We don't want to hear about the crucifixion. We want to hear about heaven. We don't want to hear about service. We want to hear about glory. We don't want to hear about sacrifice. We have that selective hearing. He had just told them they're going to, they're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going, to, they're going to torture me and kill me. And all they can think about is, yeah, but after all that's over, you're going to be in glory. Give us a spot. Boy, how selfish. How unchrist like and how Crowder like. Aren't we all kind of selfish from time to time thinking more about what can we get from God instead of how can we serve and how can we submit? I find myself right there sometimes. And so instead of getting the point they said, we want to sit at your right and your left when you come in your glory. And he says, you don't know what you're asking. They should have known because he just described it. But they don't know what they're asking. He says, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? They said to him, we're able. Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism... With which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant against James and John. Why do you think the ten got mad? You think they got mad because James and John missed the point about the crucifixion? You think they got mad? because James and John are jumping the gun to glory? They got mad because James and John thought of it first. 
And the other ten are saying, guys, come on, we ought, we ought to have a fair shot at this. What makes you special? We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, because we want it. He says, I can't promise that you'll have it. Verse 41, the ten heard it, they get mad. Verse 42, Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in that very difficult learning experience, They learned how to be great. Let's look at that experience in detail and see if we can also learn how to be great. And the first thing that we learn from this this story, the first thing that we learn as they did, is to be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. They said, hey, can we be on your right and your left? And Jesus said, dude, you don't know what you're asking. Do you really think you could drink the cup I'm going to drink? What cup is he talking about? You remember before he died, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Garden of Gethsemane with the weight of the world on his shoulders, quite literally the weight of all of humanity is is, is just squeezing the the, the pain and the pressure through his body so much that it says he he, he sweat like drops of blood. And what is it that he cries out to the Father in that moment? Father, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to have to drink all of your wrath. Don't pour it out on me. Let it pass. And he says to the disciples, do you really think you can drink the cup I'm going to have to drink? You really think you can suffer through the baptism that I'm going to suffer through? Now, in this case, the the word baptism... Remember, the word means immersion. He's he's not saying, I'm going to have to get in water. He's saying, I'm going to be completely submerged under God's wrath. Are you sure you can handle that? And they said, oh yeah, man, we got this. They had no idea what they were talking about. But then he says to them, okay, you will drink the cup that I drink. And sure enough, James, one of the sons of Zebedee who asked the question, James was the very first disciple to be martyred. He was killed by the sword, according to the book of Acts. John was actually the last of them to die, we believe. But where did he die? In prison on an island, set aside from the rest of the world to suffer and die alone. They did, didn't they, have to drink the cup and be baptized in the baptism of suffering. Had no idea what they were asking. Be careful what you ask for. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, 
Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see, this is what the guys missed that day. They should have been serving others instead of competing with them. When they said, let us be on the right and left, what they're saying is, leave the other ten out and let us have the two prime spots. Instead, they should have heard Jesus say, I'm about to go suffer and die. And they should have been saying, Jesus, what can we do? How can we help? How can we serve? It is very, very easy for all of us, for any of us, to point fingers, to accuse, to, to ridicule, when what we really need to be doing is helping and serving and working. Matter of fact, I would say to you that if someone is not willing to work and serve and sacrifice in the church or the school or the community, you really should not put, so, put very much weight in what they have to say at all. He says, he says to them, I can't promise you that. But you don't know what you're asking. And the truth is, they shouldn't have been asking. They should have been serving. Galatians tells us, let us do good to everyone especially to those who are of the household of faith. If you highlight and mark in your Bible, I would find Galatians 6.10 and highlight those words. Do good to everyone. Hashtag just be nice. So the first thing we learn from the story, as we learn from these guys, is, is be careful what you ask for. The second thing that we learn is to be careful how you define greatness. Be careful how you define greatness. That was one of the mistakes they made. They misunderstood what greatness really was. It, see, while, there is, while there's nothing wrong with aspiring to greatness, we have to be careful how we define that word, what it means to be grateful and why we are great and why we want to achieve it. The measure of a man's greatness is not the number of people who serve him, but the number of people he serves. Jesus showed them in this text in this, in this story, you are misunderstanding greatness. They wanted to have the right and the left spot in the kingdom. And he says, that's not the way this works, guys. And he, he told them, you're, you're thinking like the Gentiles. He said, you're, you're thinking like the rest of the world. True greatness occurs when we serve. Mark chapter 9 and verse 35 says that, that when he sat down, he called the 12 to himself and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. You see, in, in the, 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 way, the way Christ works, the way things work in the kingdom, the way God sees how life should work is that we don't fight and scratch and claw our way to the top so that we can, we can domineer and hold it over those that we stepped over. Instead, the way it's supposed to work is that we serve those around us. And as we serve, they recognize in us the ability to lead. And they, out of respect, 
they start following us because we served first. It's a whole different way of thinking than the way the rest of the world sees it. You see in verse 42, he called them and said, you know those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Their great ones exercise authority over them. The Greeks and the Romans had no respect for servants at all. Most of them would rather die than to be considered low enough to serve other people. In that culture, people in authority were domineering and mean and unfair. It's the same in our culture, by the way. Except that now almost everyone feels like they have that kind of authority. Almost everybody feels like I'm a special somebody. And because I'm a special somebody, I can lord it over you and domineer you and keep you down. See, there's a misunderstanding in our, in our culture about what greatness really is. I've shared this with you before, but I'm going to say it again. And as long as I recognize a need for it, I'm going to keep saying it. Being argumentative does not prove you're smart. Being angry does not prove you're right. Being mean does not prove you're strong. Being pushy does not prove your way is best. Being rude does not prove you're important. Making demands does not prove you're powerful. And making threats does not prove you're great. The next verse at verse 43 clears it up. It shall not be so among you. The rest of the world thinks that way. The rest of the world thinks that I can, I can have power and control and I can manipulate and that's what will make me great. And Jesus says to you and to me, you guys are not to think that way. You see the world the way I see it. Think about things the way I think about them. It's not supposed to be like this for believers. We have different priorities from the rest of the world. We can and must do better than the ungodly culture that surrounds us. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think like He thinks. How did He think? He thought like the one who gave up his seat in glory and took on humanity and then even was, was willing to go all the way to death, but not just death, death even on the cross. That's how he humbled himself. That's how we're to think. Spend some time in Philippians chapter 2 this week and allow that mindset to, be, to set in so that we begin thinking like he did. Well, how, how do we do that? How do we think like Jesus thinks? Paul helped us in Romans chapter 12 at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't treat each other the way they do. Don't see greatness the way they do. Don't understand authority the way they do. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's what we want. We want to be changed. How does that happen? By the renewal of your mind. You think differently. You think like Jesus instead of like the world around us. You are transformed in your mind. There once was a really wealthy American traveler. He just liked to go all over the world. 
And he, uh, he visited a hospital in Southeast Asia one time. He walked in and he saw here in, uh, in this, this remote hospital, he saw a young missionary nurse who was cleaning the sores of a sick, dirty old man who had been found lying in a gutter. And this very wealthy American traveler said to the nurse, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. She very quietly answered, neither would I. You see, she had a different mindset. We learned to serve the way Jesus served. Power is to be used in service. That's why God gives us power so that we can serve. We continue there in verse 43. We've already seen where it says, this shall not, you know, uh, it shall not be so among you. Then he says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. That's how we become great when we serve. Verse 44, whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. In the corrupt world system, servants bow to those who have power. In Christ's kingdom, the truly powerful people are those who serve. The truly powerful make life better for those they serve, which makes the community stronger, healthier, and happier. That's how to be great. Martin Luther King once said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Why does Christ's kingdom work differently than the world? Why does it work this way? For this one very simple reason. Because our king is the CSO the chief serving officer. Because he is a servant, those who follow him will learn to be great by serving. You see that last verse of our text, verse 45, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The King of Kings has come to serve his own subjects. The word Lord means master, and we call him Lord of Lords, and here is the master of all the masters who have come to serve his own servants. The creator of all that exists has come to serve his own creation. You see, we need to be careful how we define greatness. And then third, we need to be careful which examples we follow. Be careful which examples you follow. Instead of modeling themselves after Jesus, these two, at least, probably all 12, but at least these two, were admiring the power and the authority of the Roman rulers, the people they saw. They wanted Jesus to structure his kingdom the way they had seen every other kingdom around them in the world. They were following the wrong examples. And Jesus, not long after this, 
would set for them the perfect example so that they would finally eventually understand why he came and who he was. The night that he was betrayed and arrested, he gathered with his disciples away from the world, separated from the culture that that confuses power and greatness. He pulled them aside in order that they might have that last Passover meal together. And it is when they gathered in that room, he noticed that nobody was taking on the role of the servant. You see, in that day, they didn't have nice, good-looking boots like us Texans. They wore sandals, and their sandals were a whole lot more like our flip-flops. And because of that, everywhere they went, they got their feet dirty. Well, when you sit down to eat, you didn't sit down in a chair and a table. You laid down on your side, which means there's a real good chance that somebody's in a group of 12 like this and got 13 people in a room around one, one basically kind of a short table blanket thing. With 13 people around that, there's a good chance somebody's foot going to be in somebody's nose. And so when you came to a meal, it was the servant's job to wash the feet of each guest. Jesus noticed that they were in a borrowed room. Nobody owned the room. Therefore, nobody felt responsibility to serve as the servant. And so Jesus went over and he picked up a towel. And he wrapped the towel around him. The towel would have been very similar to this one. He could have wrapped it around, you just loop it over one time so that it kind of stays with you. And then you got plenty to work with. The Bible says that he picked up a basin and he went from disciple to disciple washing their feet. And the thing that gets me, it's not just the fact that he washed their feet. But in order to get to their feet, the master had to kneel before them. In order to see what he was doing, he had to bow to his own disciples. And he showed them greatness. He went from disciple to disciple. Perhaps as he washed, he remembered the day he called each one. And then he came to the one. The one that he knew was about to betray him. The one who deserved to be thrown out the door on his ear. The one who deserved for the whole crowd to get around and beat him up for his treachery. (laughs) But instead the master knelt, bowed, served. That's grace. Judas didn't deserve it. Peter didn't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Service is not about 
doing nice things to people who deserve it. Great people. Serve. Even those who don't deserve it and can't earn it and are not worth the time. How, how do we become great? First, be careful what you ask for. The life of service is not an easy life. But I will guarantee you that it will be worth the sacrifice. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give to thee the crown of life. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful how you define greatness. Stop thinking like the rest of the world. Let them tear each other apart. You and I are called to greater things. Be careful what examples you follow. Jesus gave us the example. Don't look at those around us who appear to be powerful and decide, how can I be like that guy? Don't listen to the folks who have a way in which they can manipulate people and brainwash people to see things the negative way they want them seen. They're not your example. We have our example. Be careful which example you follow. In John 13 at verse 15, Jesus says, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. He said that right after he washed their feet. Our first church was a very small church in a very small community. We started out in Copperell, Bosque County, the other side of Lake Whitney. And when we first got there, the chairman of deacons was Johnny Boyd. And in the, the time that we, we spent there, it didn't take me long, but while we were there, I got to know Johnny, and I realized that he was a great man. Johnny had a sixth grade education, never even made it to middle school. Had a sixth grade education. He didn't speak correctly. That means he didn't talk right. Johnny would... Uh, Johnny couldn't look at you a lot of times. He, he was such a humble person, he kind of mumbled. And he wouldn't always look at you in the eye. But Johnny was a great man. Because he had, he had a godly wisdom that carried him a lot farther than any education would have. He had a humility that allowed him to serve and to care like Jesus did. I had an example to get my ministry started that greatness is not about who you control as much as it is about controlling yourself and being a servant. Mother Teresa said, we all long for heaven where God is, but we have it in our power to be in heaven with him right now, to be happy with him at this very moment. But being happy with him now means loving as he loves, helping as he helps, giving as he gives, 
serving as He serves, rescuing as He rescues, being with Him for all the 24 hours, touching Him in His distressing disguise. We have our example. What will make us great is when we connect with Him and follow Him in all things. Following Him is serving Him. It's not just coming to church. Serving Him is not just a trivial knowledge of the details of His life. Serving Him is not just believing in Him. It's not, it, 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 it's not just believing that He's the Savior. It's not just reading the Bible to learn about Him. It's all of those things because serving Him is following Him. It's doing what He does, living His life, allowing Him to be in control, serving one another. 